Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. And there'll be times where God will just say to you, an extra whatever, and he'll speak to your heart. No man's drilling you. You know it's not going to happen here. So it's God going to be speaking to you. This is what's happening. Go ahead and give when God does that. Now, when you give, you don't walk around and say, I gave sacrificially last week. No, you give cheerfully to the Lord. Keep your mouth shut because it's to God. It's not to man. If God speaks to you, you do what God says. And then you know it's right because you can't outgive God. Amen. If you're a believer, it goes without saying that your heart is for the Lord. But is it for the Lord when you're being refused that raise by your boss or dealing with a tantrum that your toddler is throwing or being cut off by a reckless driver on your way to the store? When things happen in an instant, the true state of your heart becomes clear. As we'll hear today, David tells Israel to set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. As a man who had fallen to temptation repeatedly, David knew the importance of staying close to the Lord. As you draw near to Him, you reflect His grace in the most trying times. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 9, with today's study. sin and you're living in sin, it affects your fellowship with your husband, your wife, your friends, your workers, the other people in the body. You don't want to be around them because you're miserable. You're guilty and it shows. And so one of the things that you have to be careful of is if you're having trouble being around people tonight, check up. Maybe there's an area in your life. So if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from 80% of our sin. Because there's some sins that God won't forgive. No. From how much sin? All sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So there's none of us who could ever say, well, you know, not since I came to Christ back in 1976, I've never sinned. You're deceived big time. You're deceived big time. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful. Praise God. Which means every single time. And he's just. And he will forgive our sins. But not only that, he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. God's forgiveness comes after confession and repentance. One of the first things you're to do in communion is to examine ourselves. You say, why should I examine myself? I'm a Christian. I don't have sin. Well, we just read the verse to you. You have to look and say, God, is there something in my life that's displeasing to you? And when he shows it to you, you confess. You say the same thing as God. Even in our own relationships, singles and couples and single parents or whatever, we, we sin. So one of the wonderful things is before we have fellowship with God, 
we ask him to forgive us of our sin. If he points it out, it's not like you're going hunting and just find something. If he doesn't point it out, you're fine. But if he points it out, say, I agree with you. I confess and repent. Because you can't and be in fellowship with God if you have sin in your life. Now, let's go back to First Chronicles, verse 9. And the Lord said to Gad, David's seer, go and tell David. This is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. This is really tough. David is going to have to choose the punishment for the people because he sinned. That doesn't seem fair, does it? That's a great responsibility a pastor has. You know how often when a pastor falls, how many people are affected in the church and the community? I keep it in front of me all the time. I'm not fearful. I just keep it in front of me. I can fall just like anybody else. See, David's going to hate this because now he has to choose the punishment for the people as the leader. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and he said, this is what the Lord says, take your choice. When you see these choices, they're not good choices. Verse 12, three years of famine, three months of being swept away before your enemies with their swords overtaking you, or three days of the sword of the Lord, days of plague in the land with the angel of the Lord ravaging every part of Israel. Now then decide how I should answer the one who sent me. So he can have three years of famine. He can have three months by the enemy just tearing them up. Or he can have three days of divine retribution by the angel of the Lord. Verse 13, you can understand this verse. David said to Gad, I'm in deep distress. You see, we don't realize when we sin how far the fingers of sin go. Parents, hmm. it's the same. It's the same. I'm in deep distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hands of men. Sin always brings punishment, brings God's judgment, and yet God is gracious, even though we'll have to suffer often for the consequences of our sins. Experience had taught David that God was merciful. David knew that God was much more merciful than man. David said, hey, in Psalm 136, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. David says this, If I have to choose between the enemy battling me and God, I'll take God, because God's going to be much more gracious than the enemy. The other thing he does here, he wants to get it over. He takes three days. How many remember that when mom would say, uh, Dad's coming home tonight, and when he comes home, you wish he came home what? The next 10 minutes. Because all afternoon you were waiting for that. You knew you were going to get it. Well, David says, I want it over with. The wait, I want it over with. Verse 14, so the Lord sent a plague on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell dead. What do you do with a verse like that? I'm glad I live under the day of grace, aren't you? Now, we see this, the fear of God. You see, we have very little of the fear of God anymore. We all want to call it just holy reverence. Well, I think that's definitely true most of the time. But there's another fear of God. Ananias and Sapphira saw the fear of God. 70,000 people here saw the fear of God. 
See, we just make light of God. Well, if I sin, big deal. I hope my wife doesn't catch me or husband doesn't catch me. They don't catch me at work. But you know who sin is really against? It's against God. And God hates sin. And so here 70,000 people die. And God sent the angel to destroy Jerusalem. But the angel, as the angel was doing so, the Lord saw it and was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel, was destroying the people enough, withdraw your hand. And the angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Arna, the Jebusite. So Jerusalem was struck with the plague, but instead of it, very similar to like probably the night of Egypt, and the night of Egypt and the Passover, but very wonderfully God said, it's enough, and he spares Jerusalem. Verse 16, And David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth, with the drawn sword in his hand extended over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell face down. And David said to God, Why was it not I who ordered the fighting men not to be counted? I am the one who have sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? O Lord, my God, let your hand fall upon me and my family, but do not let this plague remain on your people. See, that's the awesome responsibility of leadership. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament, not many of you should be teachers. Well, Pastor Mark, I like to get in front of people. That's not a reason to be. Unless you're called, don't do it. If you are called, you want to do it. But when you're called, then we have to do it in God's strength. Because what we share, not only with our teaching, but our lives, has great impact on people. And we need your prayers as leaders and teachers. Remember it says in the book of First and Second Timothy, in the last days, people want itching ears. They don't want to hear the truth. And so you pray, you pray for your pastors, wherever you come from, that God will continue to anoint them and they'll teach the word of God. Because as in when you're in leadership, it's a very, very awesome responsibility to realize that we have responsibility for the people we teach. You say, well, that's not really true. Well, look at the cults tonight. All through our world, people are bound by the cults because somebody's taught them wrongly in the word of God. It's kind of like a domino effect. When the leader sins, it just finds its way throughout the congregation and often throughout the town. And it isn't only just the people, it's the name of Jesus that gets walked on because of this. Now, as you understand that, you and I can remember that that domino effect, parents, can happen in your home. You need to stand true. Parent, when you blow it, Admit it to your children. Confess. Be honest in your home. Be that godly leader. Many of you are single parents today. God will give you strength. You stand there. You teach the things of God. You love those children. Kids, students, honor your parents. Be the kind of children you need to be. Understand that they love you and they care for you. And I think it's very important as you look around that our society is crumbling because this principle is not held in our homes. So it's very important as parents. You say, well, my kids, man, I just came to the Lord a few years ago, and my kids are already 17 and 21, or whatever, it's too late. No, it's never too late to start doing right. You just start doing right now. Call them on the phone when you get home. Say, hey, God really spoke to my heart. I really wasn't the dad. I really wasn't the mom I should have been. 
I ask you to forgive me. And I'm praying that you really find God. And I take that responsibility seriously. I think it's important that we do that. Verse 18. Then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aaronon, the Jebusite. So Gad, directed by God, said to David, David, it's time to build an altar. And he went up to this threshing floor. It was just an area in Jerusalem. And the location of the threshing floor is very, you want to just circle this little verse, because this verse is a very important verse in all the Bible. The location of this threshing floor was on Mount Moriah. And you know on Mount Moriah what stands there today, the Mosque of Omar. And this is a neat way that God directed this. On this very mount, the Mount Moriah, 1,000 years before, Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now we're about a 1,000 years later, and David's going, and this is going to be the site of the first temple. This is the place. Same place. You move a 1,000 years from David, and we come to the time of Christ. And Jesus is crucified on this same mountain range, the exact same mountain range we're talking about here. So we go from Abraham to David to the first temple to a thousand years later to Jesus being crucified on that mount. And we can go, I don't know how many years later we're going to go now, 2000, we're going to go a little farther, but guess where the new temple is going to be? Same place. It's going to be there. Verse 19. So David went up in obedience to the word that God had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now, while Aaronad was threshing wheat, he turned and saw the angels, his four sons. By the way, he was Gentile. His four sons who were there with him hid themselves. And David approached. And when Aaronad looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face to the ground. David said to him, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague of the Lord may be stopped. Sell it to me at full price. Aaronad said to David, take it. Let my Lord, the king, do what pleases him. Lord, look, I will give you the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give this. But King David replied to Aaronad, No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, or sacrifice a burnt offering Look at that costs me nothing. So David paid on and on a 600 shekels of gold for the site. What do we see here? David refused the offer. And what he was really saying is this. I can't give anything to the Lord. It doesn't cost me anything. And David's saying here, no, I won't take it. I'm going to pay for it. How can I do this? Our giving and we don't talk about giving rarely, except when we go through it in the passage of Scripture. But there are times in our lives when God will speak to you that your giving should be sacrificial. Not just tithes, not offerings, but sacrificial. I can't tell you when that would be. But when God speaks to you, you need to do that. Could be to a missions, could be here, could be wherever, wherever he speaks to you. And again, don't listen to the telethons on TV. That's not God speaking. That's man speaking. But there are times, and we don't hear this enough, 
that none of us, you know, we're in the, we're clocked into this to 10% or whatever, and I've been given 10% or 50 years or whatever, and that's all God required. No, God wants everything. And there'll be times where God will just say to you an extra whatever, and he'll speak to your heart. No man's drilling you. You know it's not going to happen here. So it's God going to be speaking to you. This is what's happening. Go ahead and give when God does that. Now, when you give, you don't walk around and say, I gave sacrificially last week. No, you give cheerfully to the Lord, keep your mouth shut. Because it's to God. It's not to man. If God speaks to you, you do what God says. And then you know it's right. Because you can't outgive God. Amen? Just doesn't happen. So, by the way, it's not only your finances. For many of us, it needs to be our time. You're ministered to here, guys, and whether you know or not, by lots of people that sacrificially give a lot of their time and energy to this place. And you just thank God for them in your prayers. We're not going to line them up tonight. We don't do that kind of thing. Verse 26. And David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And he called on the Lord, and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of a burnt offering. Then the Lord spoke to the angel, and he put his sword back in his sheath. At that time, when David saw the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Aaronod, the Jebusite, he offered sacrifices there. And the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the desert, and the altar of the burnt offering were at that time on the high place in Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God because he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then David said, The house of the Lord is to be here, and also the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. See, up to this time, the sacrifices were made at Gibeon. That's where the tabernacle was. And that was the place where the sacrifices. But now, it's going to be moved to this place. This is going to be the place where it's going to happen. And right by that verse, you can just write Second Chronicles 3.1. You can look it up later, because Solomon then builds the temple exactly on this threshing place, which God had instructed. So God's word is always true. And so when we see in Revelation that he's going to build that temple again, it's going to happen. It's going to be on that side. Now, verse 2. So David gave orders to assemble the aliens, Morkin Mindy and some of the others living there in Israel. From among them, he appointed stone cutters to prepare dressed stone for building the house of God. David knew this was the site. So he begins to make these initial preparations for the new construction. Now, in verse 3, he provided a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the gateways and for the fittings and more bronze than he could weigh. He also provided more cedar logs than could be counted for. The Sidonians and the Tyrians had brought large numbers of them to David. And David's son said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. I think that's very important that you see that David was honest to make those preparations. But there's one other thing I want to mention to you tonight. Don't just make preparations for your death with your 401k and your legal things in your home. and all. Make sure you're making preparations spiritually. For your death. It's very important. The whole world does all the rest of this. Do you have your will? Do you have all the things you ask me to do this? Well, what about your soul? I can worry about that now. That's the thing you need to have in place first. Now, look down at verse 6. Then he called for his son Solomon. So now we're introduced to Solomon. And he charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, 
I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. That's Solomon. And I will give him rest for all of his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son. I will be his father. I will establish the throne of king of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord God be with you. You may have success and build the house of the Lord, your God, as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Now, guys, that prayer from verse 11, 12, and 13 is a great prayer to circle and begin praying for your own children and grandchildren. Not the specifics about the temple or whatever, but that is an awesome prayer to begin to pray for our kids. That God would bring, give them success, that they would have discretion, they would have understanding, that they would understand the things of God, they would be strong and courageous. Man, that's an awesome prayer. Those of you that especially have young children, copy that down, put it on your refrigerator, begin praying that for your kids. Those of you that have grandkids, do the same. Verse 14, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed in wood and stone, and you may add to them. You may have workmen, stone cutters, mason, carpenters, as well as men skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver and bronze and iron craftsmen beyond number. Here's a great challenge, and I don't have time to even talk about it, the last part of this verse. Now begin the work, and the Lord be with you. Yes. That's what it's all about. We're to be about the Lord's business. And as we do it, what we want is God with us. Man, just begin the work and the Lord be with you. We have a a mission statement here that says, win, disciple, send. Begin the work and the Lord be with you. Verse 17, then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son. And he said to them, is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not granted you rest on every side? For he has handed the inhabitants of the land over to me, and the land is subject to the Lord and to his people. Verse 19, you want to circle this verse. Now devote your heart and soul to the seeking the Lord your God. God wants our hearts. It all starts in the heart. It's not our minds. He wants that too, but it starts in the heart. He says, begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God in the temple that will be built for the name of the Lord. Now devote your heart and your soul to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God. So what God is saying is this. He wants our hearts. Remember David said, God, search my heart. Know if there's any wicked way. And if God points something out to you tonight, just ask him for his forgiveness. Israel experienced enormous loss of life because of David's mistake. David acknowledged his error and sought the Lord so that all of Jerusalem wouldn't be destroyed. David went to a man to buy his threshing floor in order to erect an altar to sacrifice to God. 
The man offered to give it to David, but he refused. David recognized that it wouldn't be a sacrifice if it didn't cost him anything, just like we should view our own giving. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues our study through the book of First Chronicles. We'll come to the time when David transfers his rule over Israel to his son Solomon. The Lord has already made known his plans for Solomon, and here we'll see David giving the Levites their instructions according to the wishes of the Lord. Each member will have a specific duty just like we have our own unique gifts. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. and May God bless you. And together, let's do life right.